Can you hear me? Nice. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? We're going to get there. Uh, (laughs) I hope you guys are excited because this morning I want to unpack Jesus' greatest miracle of all times. And this is very serious because this is a miracle that no one really talks about. And I think it's time for the church to bring this topic to uh, the pulpit. So I want to unpack this greatest miracle, which is having 12 friends at the age of 30. Um, I don't know. I don't know how your social life goes, but have you ever tried to have 12 friends when you're 30 years old? That is hard work, man. Um, You know, turning water into wine, Whatever, anyone can do that. Uh, Feeding 5,000 people, you know, just get a good catering business and we're done. But making friends, making good friends, maintaining those friends, that is a hard work and it's a task that Jesus did not take lightly and we shouldn't do it either. So jokes aside, you know what I'm talking about. Making friendships is hard at any age. It's hard when you're a kid. It's hard when you're a teenager. It's hard in high school, in college. But as adults, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I am in that phase of my life. Uh, It's harder. It's harder to make friends as adults because um, we live in the city that is just famously known for isolation and loneliness. As a matter of fact, Washington, D.C. was elected the loneliest city in the United States. So, woohoo, D.C. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're so used to that whole thing of like, oh, yeah, let's grab coffee four months from now when I'm free. Um, because our busy schedules get in the way or our jobs are so demanding, right, that we... We barely have 10 minutes to go to the bathroom, right, between meetings and whatever. So we keep postponing investing in people's lives and building those friendships, which is very sad. But then there's also the element of, honestly, sometimes we feel like we're better off alone than dealing with some people. So we're like, it's fine. I don't need friends. I have my cat and we should be good. Um, Cat lady right here. But I only have one cat, so I'm still good. Uh, So... The Bible has a pretty extended list of verses about friendship, right? Like a a quick Google search of like friendships in the Bible, you're going to have at least 100 verses. The majority of them are in the book of Proverbs, and they provide like really pieces of wisdom that we can carry with us through our lives. So here's a couple of them. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Or faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy, right? You know, when having friendship can be hard, can leave us some some wounds, but it's a little bit better than navigating fun time with people we don't like, right? Or uh, don't leave your friends or your parents' friends and run home to your family when things get rough. Better a nearby friend than a distant family. Not to roast anyone, But we all have that family relative that we're like, no, we're not going to be friends. I have better people in my life, right? Uh, Not me. My family is great. Uh, (laughs) But one of my all-time favorite verses, uh, which is also in Proverbs, I am very glad that none of my friends read the Bible that much because they never been through this verse, hopefully, uh, because otherwise they wouldn't be my friends. But this is the the verse. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. 
Again, very, very happy that none of my friends read the Bible because that verse would be an end to our friendship because I am angry all the time. I am very hothead. I'm like, if you look at me, you know, in the traffic light and I'm like, we're going to race, you know, like I'm going to get to you. Uh, and although I truly love Proverbs, I really want us to focus on the person of Jesus this morning. But before we do this, I have a very important disclaimer, and this is actually serious. It's not a joke. Um, dysfunctional friendships are unhealthy and dangerous, okay? Um, setting clear boundaries are necessary. You need to protect yourself so you can protect your future. Um, as a matter of fact, we believe that protecting yourself from harmful relationships is so important that we had a whole sermon about that last week. So if you're new to Grace, if this is your first time, or if you just never got a chance to listen to the message from last Sunday, please do it. You can find that message on our app. If you don't have our app, this is your chance. Uh, we have the QR codes on the sleeves in the church in front of you. Listen to that message. Listen to setting clear boundaries and really apply that to your life. Protect yourself, okay? This is how we navigate life to the fullest. Um, I was already going to share this story before John preached that message last Sunday. But after that message, I was like, all right, I have to share this story because it makes sense. Many of you know, I grew up in a church and I grew up in that kind of church that like once one person is pregnant, everyone's pregnant. So you always have all these kids in the same age in the church and you grow together until you just hate everyone. Um, so, so I grew up with this really close group of friends. And we were all the same age. Uh, and we naturally became friends because we did everything together. Sunday school, vacation Bible. Like we even went to the same school together. We're all there. Um, and in that group, I had this one friend, um, a girl who was my best friend. I perceived her as my best friend. We were very similar physically, emotionally. We both had like strong personalities, which is not that great. Um, and, but she was kind of like the self-appointed leader of the group. You know, the girl that all the boys want and all the girls want to be like, that, that, that was her. And um, I started realizing that she was actually just a bully. Like that's pretty simple. She was a bully. There were many microaggressions between us um, throughout our childhood, I guess. And, um, but I, I always came back to her because in my mind, I couldn't understand why my best friend would want to be mean to me. Like, why would my best friend do those things to me? Like, of course it was just a misunderstanding. So I'm coming back. Um, and then there was one day that she took that bullying to a whole different level. It was truly dangerous. She put me in danger. Um, and my parents had to bring this up to the church leadership. It was bad enough that we had to call the pastor. I just, you know, if you grew up in a traditional Baptist church, that's never a good thing. It's like being called to the principal's office. Uh, but it was my parents, the pastors, uh, the church leadership, and her parents as well. That meeting didn't go amazing. Uh, when my parents got back home, my dad sat me down and he said, it's time to put an end to this friendship. This is not good for you. And we don't want you to hang out with this girl anymore. Like, this is it. This is the end. And my sweet father, um, he said something to me that I will never forget. I will always carry this with me. He said, any friend who puts you in danger or deviates you from your true identity is not a friend. Don't ever allow anyone to take you away from you. 
And I'm going to read this again because this is a really good lesson and I need you all to understand that. Any friend who puts you in danger or deviates you from who, from your true identity is not a friend. Don't ever allow anyone to take you away from you. Um, that conversation then led me to understand that Timon and Pumbaa were not really a good friend in The Lion King, you know, uh, with the whole Hakuna Matata nonsense of like, you don't need to be king. Let's just forget our worries. Uh, but that's a whole different whole different conversation. I love the Lion King. I would preach a whole sermon on the Lion King. I was told not to. Uh, but, <laughs> but I will say my first tattoo ever, uh, it's remember who you are. And it's based on this conversation I had with my father. And it's based on the incredible moment that Mufasa just shows up in the clouds. You know, how cool it is that a lion comes up to the sky and say, Simba, right? Uh, oh, goosebumps. Uh, but here you go. I am so thankful that I had that lesson in my life at such a young age because that became my clearest boundaries when it comes to relationships. Um, I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm definitely not perfect at it. I'm 30 years old, and I continue to allow people to break that boundary. But thank God for new beginnings, and thank God for Jesus, who already done the whole thing, and now we can just learn from him, right? So yeah, today I want to unpack Jesus' perspective on healthy friendships and how he laid down the path so every single one of us can find better friends, can be better friends, and can truly pursue better friendships. If you're new to church in general... Jesus Christ, you know, the big guy. Uh, he had 12 chosen male friends. Uh, they were his disciples. And he started his ministry with these 12 people. Although the Bible tells us that he had many other friends outside those 12. Uh, like Lazarus, Martha, Mary, uh, the supporters of his ministry. So Jesus had a bunch of people around him. And as we read the Gospels, the Gospels are the accounts in the Bible for Jesus' life. And we see the intentionality behind Jesus' decision to pick every single person that was going to be in his life at that time. The books of Mark, Luke, and John tell us that Jesus handpicked his disciples. Not only that, but he prayed before he picked them, right? So he picked the right people because he prayed for it. And this is what uh, Luke tells. When Luke's telling this story, this is what he says. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the whole night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. So we can only imagine how many people had already subscribed to be Jesus' buddies, right? Because it says that he calls everyone to him, and then he picks 12 people, um, and at that season of his life, that is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is when he's like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. He was going to need a specific group of people, very diverse from different perspectives, but a very specific group of people to be in his corner, um, to be closest to him, to navigate life with him, to do ministry, to cry together, to pray together, to celebrate together. So our first lesson here this morning is be intentional when you're picking your friends. You know, this is not, as adults, we're still picking our friends. <laughs> you don't have to die with the same friends you came, okay? Uh, so you're still picking your friends and be intentional about them. Be intentional. Think about the season of life you are navigating now. Who are the people you need in your corner? 
Are they people who are also married or with new kids or empty nesters or young professionals? Who are they? Who are the people you need in your corner right now that will support you along the way? And I want to challenge you to think about it and pray about it. Ask God for wisdom when it comes to picking the people you're bringing to your life. And also the courage to intentionally initiate that friendship, right? There's a, an amazing psychologist called Dr. Marisa Franco. She is focused on isolation, friendships, connections. And she wrote this really cool book called Platonic. And it's all about how to make and keep friends. If you struggle with that, read the book. It's really cool. Everyone can benefit a lot from this book. Uh, but here's a quote, like here's a point that she makes in the, in the book that it really ties together with Jesus' intentionality. She points out that we often assume friendship happens organically, right? One day you're going to walk around Target. Someone's going to say, do you want to be friends? And you're going to say, yeah, we love Target. Let's be friends. That's not how it goes, okay? I'm sorry, that's not how it goes. It goes like that when you're a kid, when you're in school and you do everything together. You go to recess together. You do the same classes together. So you have that unplanned interaction all the time. So it happens for kids. As adults, it doesn't happen like that. We don't have unplanned interactions with strangers all the time. And when we do, it's in a workplace where you probably don't want to talk to people. Right? You want to go to your cubicle or to your office and you want to close the door and you want to say, get out of my face until five o'clock. Not good, right? <laughs> Not a great strategy for making friends. So we can't really rely on that organic friend framework for friendships. You have to intentionally initiate it. That can be as easy as, hey, I really like the point you made in that meeting. Do you want to grab coffee sometime soon? And then you actually schedule the coffee. Not four months, Friday, Saturday, come to church together. You know, like what is the next thing that you can do for that friendship? And I know a lot of you are cringing just at the thought of talking to a stranger. But it's a good thing, guys. It's a good thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, yeah, it's just a nice thing to just initiate those conversations. But the problem that we have in our mind, what stops us is we think the outcome is always going to be worse than they actually are, right? So you're thinking, if I say hi to this person, they're going to think I'm a weirdo, I'm a stalker, and I'm just going to chase them down, and then I'm not going to say it. But in reality, maybe they like you. Maybe they don't have a problem with you. Maybe they also want to talk to someone, and they just don't know how to do it, right? So another quote from Dr. Franco, she talks about the acceptance prophecy, and here's what she says. When people assume that others like them, they become warmer, friendlier, and more open. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Science, guys, trust it. If you think people like you, you're going to be likable, <laughs> okay? That's pretty much how it goes. So there, there you go. Being intentional about building friendships also means that we got to take, embrace the effort that it takes to build those friendships. Again, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but friendships do require effort, right? Easy friendships, the ones that you don't give attention to, they tend to not last. So um, friendships take effort, they take attention, they take patience, they take prioritizing. Yes, it takes thinking of someone else other than you. 
That's how friendships go. And that is also a good thing. Research had found that people who think friendships happen naturally without effort tend to be lonelier and lonelier with each passing year. Because you're dropping your friends, right? You're not giving them attention. You're not nurturing those friendships. So why would they stay? Um, and then contrary to that, the people who actually put the effort, they become friendlier. They have more friends and they have thriving friendships, right? And you know who knew that already? Jesus. You know who knew that already? Jesus. Thank you, guys. Come on. I used to be a teacher. Give me some here. Uh, Jesus knew that already. He knew that having friends was hard work, but he also knew it was worth every second of it. In John chapter 11, the story that happens there is Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, dies, right? And he was not one of the disciples, so you don't really know much about Lazarus. But then he dies, and Jesus gets that message. He gets very moved by it. He is literally traveling for work because that's what he used to do, right? He just walked around preaching the gospel. So he was traveling for work. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, we got to go back. We got to go back to Judea where they just left. Like they just left that city. Not only that, but they left the city after being threatened to die. <laughs> and they, he looks at the disciples and he says, we got to go back because my friend needs me. My friend died. And his sisters need me, and we need to go back. Um, and they did. The whole group, they dropped everything. They canceled all the meetings, and they went back to Judea because Jesus knew that his friendship take effort. It took Jesus and his disciples four days to walk back to that city. It wasn't even a question. Jesus was not like, is it worth it? Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should just keep going. It wasn't a question. Drop everything, walked back for his friends. And to all of my friends sitting here this morning, I am not Jesus. <laughs> I'm not going to walk four days, okay? I am not a walker. I actually hate physical exercise. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would walk for some of you guys. Uh, but, but it takes effort. It takes sometimes physical effort to be there for your friends. And a couple years ago, me and some friends, uh, we got together for a craft night that was not really a craft night. We just ate and we talked. Uh, we didn't do any craft. But uh, at one point, we're all sitting in a circle and we look at each other and we're like, I think this is it. I think this is our group of friends, right? And it was that mutual understanding of we are getting tired of finding people, investing in them, and then they leave or something happens and we need each other, right? So we're going to be it. This is it. It's this group. It was the weirdest thing I've ever done because we were five grown women doing like a sisterhood pact kind of thing. It was very awkward. Um, but we did it. It was the best decision I've ever made because five grown women with different personalities, different temperaments, different cultures, living in the loneliest city in the United States, we look at each other and we decided to be there for each other. We decided that we're not going to leave the room and we're going to work things out and we're going to make that friendship work because we need each other. We understand that we don't want to be lonely. We don't want to be isolated. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. It's hard. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of patience. It takes grace. It takes mercy. Also in that umbrella of... Uh, effort. It also takes a whole lot of self-awareness, my friends. 
And self-awareness is not fun. <laughs> the more you know about yourself, the more you dislike yourself. Uh, so for you to find better friends that are worth keeping, and you need to know who you are, and you need to work on yourself, right? You can't approach a friendship with, this is how I am. You deal with it. You deal with it because that's how you are, right? So you got to work on that. And friendships are not immune to disagreements, to conflicts. In fact, Jesus knew that too. Of course he did. Uh, and he teaches us in the book of Matthew how to solve those conflicts, how to embrace reconciliation, to embrace forgiveness. Um, I can only imagine uh, what disciple inspired that conversation. If I could guess, I would say it was Peter because he was very hot-headed like me. Uh, but there is a willingness to look at ourselves, to ask for forgiveness, to forgive our friends, and to seek the understanding. That's what really forms strong friendships that are going to last through the test of time. But you know what? All that effort that we pour into friendships open up space for love, good old love. That's what all the Bible is it's all about. The only time in the whole Bible that Jesus himself talks about friendships is on John, chap, uh, John chapter 15. And here's what Jesus says. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this, to lay down one's life for their friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. The word that Jesus uses for love in this text is the word philia. It's a Greek word that it's one of the four types of love that we can find in the Bible. Philia, it's a strong feeling of attraction, not with romance, but with sacrifice. So when you use the word philia, you're talking about someone you are attracted to and that you are going to sacrifice for. That's what philia means. Under that word, there's love, there's care, respect, compassion for the people you are expressing philia to. And this love is so important for Jesus that he made sure to say it again, just in case we missed the first time. So then he says, this is my command, love each other. John 15, 17. Loving your friends is just the cherry on top of a better friendship. And we have the ultimate role model to make this happen, okay? So much so that Jesus' closest friend, all right, TikTok. This is the time for TikTok. This guy is famous on TikTok now because he's being roasted all the time. If you're not on TikTok, you're not going to think this joke's funny, which is fine. I'm going to try again the third service, and maybe they're going to laugh at it. But Peter, have you guys seen Peter's video on TikTok? No? Ah, oh, come on, guys. You're ruining this paragraph on my message. It's fine. Whatever. Peter is famous on TikTok now because he is a hothead. And then John, the apostle John, keeps roasting him on his books. Forget about it. But Peter talks about friendships, okay? Uh, Jesus' closest friends, John, James, and Peter, they talk about friendship all the time in their books. And here's what Peter says. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. He says, his divine power... Jesus, divine power, had given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, another word for boundaries, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, 
godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. How awesome is that Jesus had already done the whole thing just to show us that the formula actually works. We have everything we could ever ask for in order to build a better life. And with that, to build better friendships. We just need to put into practice. And I know it sounds easier said than done, but I believe in us. Look at you guys. Look at each other. Turn around. Look at each other. You all look friendly. You all look like you could be friends with each other, right? Maybe not with the person right next to you. But you know, who knows? Maybe you can. I believe in all of us. Also, as a church, we're going to make this slightly easier for all of you. There's another amazing quote found on Dr. Franco's book, and it says, the more intentional we are about connecting with others, the more we benefit, okay? So we have small groups coming up. That's your cue to clap and cheer. Woohoo! All right. Nice. You guys are doing it. We have small groups coming up soon, and there is no easier way to connect with other people than in a small group. As a matter of fact, there's no better way to find better friends than when your friendships are built on trying to learn more about Jesus Christ, okay? So Proverbs also say that as iron sharpens iron, so one, one person sharpens another, all right? So good friends... They sharpen and encourage each other to grow spiritually, intellectually, and emotionally. Keep that in mind. So when groups come around, be intentional about picking your new friends. So when the time comes, find a group that actually work for your schedule. Okay? If you know Wednesdays don't work, don't sign up for a group on Wednesday. Right? Pick the group that actually works for your schedule and that has people that you need in your life right now. Women only, men only, mid-career, mom's group, young professionals group. I don't know your life. You know your life. Pick the group that's going to have the people you need in your corner. Embrace the effort that it takes to build those friendships. There is an effort in small groups to show up, okay? When you sign up for a small group, Make the effort to show up every week, to participate, to engage with the group. And remember, the ultimate goal for any friendship is love. Love the people in your group. Listen to the people. Bring your story to the table. Do life together. Allow space for love to happen in your group and in your new friendships. I think we can do it. I hope you think you can do it. But if you don't, Let's pray together, shall we? Because maybe God can help us. Uh, <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the amazing person you are. Thank you for Jesus, for his example, for the role model that he is. Because for him, uh, for, for all of that he's done, we are now able to build better friends, to build better friendships, to build better friends, and to just do life together. We want to praise your name and we want to ask for your help uh, in navigating life with the best kind of friends that we could possibly find in our lives. Um, in Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen.